we do here is go back, 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 back. Hello, and welcome to Turbo Geeks, a short format podcast where dope people talk passionately about dope topics. On today's episode, second thoughts on the long night, the third episode of the eighth season of Game of Thrones. I'm going to discuss a recap of the episode, positives, negatives, more negatives, episode four preview and predictions. Episode Recap The armies of the living and the dead meet. The Dothraki charge after Melisandre inflames their swords, but nearly all are killed. And Ed dies after saving Sam. The living retreat into Winterfell while Melisandre lights the trench around it. Jon Snow and Danny engage the Night King with their dragons. The dead breach the firewall with their bodies and storm the castle. Lyanna Mormont stabs the white giant in the eye, destroying him while he crushes her to death. Beric Dondarrion sacrifices his final life to save Arya Stark and Sander Clegane from Whites. They find Melisandre, who says Beric was reborn for a purpose, and repeats a prophecy she previously told Arya that she would shut many eyes forever emphasizing and if I may note changing uh, the quote but emphasizing blue eyes the Night King is dismounted from the uh, undead Viserion and standing in the middle of a field Danny finds him says uh, Dracarys and Drogon envelops him in dragon flame but he is immune. He raises the dead, Winterfell defenders, and the Starks in the crypts. Danny is knocked off Drogon and fights Whites alongside Jorah Mormont, who is killed defending her. Jon heads for the Godswood, but is blocked by a now fallen and like hole in his neck and his face, uh, Viserion. The Night King arrives at the Godwood for Bran Stark and kills a charging Theon Greyjoy in his last attempt to defend his brother. Arya suddenly leaps at the Night King. He catches her, but she does a hand switch and stabs him with her Valyrian steel dagger, the cat's paw dagger, destroying him and obliterating his army. Melisandre, her purpose served, walks into the snow at dawn, removes her magical choker, and dies of old age as Davos watches. So, the lack of defense this entire episode, I think, was probably the main reason I initially said coming out of this episode that I didn't care for it as much. Uh, And I think it's true. I think 
I get the, I, I understand we need dramatic tension through this so that we care about it and all that, but we're, we're fighting the army of the undead with the best strategic military plans, you know, with this magic should be able to defeat it anyways. So why didn't you just go with something, uh, not as maddening as most of this? So parts of the terrible battle plans. Number one, had the Dothraki cavalry in the front. Then you had the trebuchets, the catapults. Then you had the unsullied. And then you had the trench. Uh, There was a little bit of a break. And then there was the actual outside of the Winterfell castle. Archers on the wall. Great. So on and so forth. Lady Mormont on the inside of the gate. And she's unarmed. And also doesn't look like they have a choke point there, really. It's just there. Um... If you are fans of The Ringer and the Talk the Thrones after show, I believe they showed some maps and layouts of the castle. So I I get that there are a bunch of people there, but you, you still could have done something a little bit better as far as a strategy, battle strategy is uh, concerned. Uh, I did not serve in the military. But I've read plenty. I've seen hundreds of movies involving big battles and so on and so forth. I've played tons of video games, including things like StarCraft and Age of Empires. And those games allow you to create armies, uh, economies, uh, bases, and battlements to test out multiple strategies. That's exactly what those games are made for. You're going to, let's say in uh, StarCraft, you're specifically uh, playing as sometimes playing as humans fighting against aliens uh aliens that look like bugs and then aliens that look like super smart religious whatever right um when you're fighting against the zerg uh it's it's literally like the army of the undead you just get these huge worm-like dangerous creatures coming at you from all ends and you've got the fog of the literal fog of war blacking everything out so you don't know when you're going to get attacked or mobbed by a bunch of things so you have to be a little more aware of how you uh create your bases and strategize where to put what um and use the terrain for your advantage and whatnot and you know that game is meant for kids so what is going on here? Why did we get uh, people who have obviously been in battles before? Why didn't they set things up and and whatnot? So number one, that was like the big thing that uh, really got to me and really uh, irked me. Um, no one, no one would do. No one would set up that way, and especially knowing you know some of the reputations of some of these warriors the dothraki have never been beaten in in an open field i think jamie is quoted saying that somewhere in earlier seasons um again i don't know if we put out the predictions for this episode prior to to starting it but uh i was telling dan one of the things that i really wanted to see in this was um the skill of the unsullied um what maybe it was in the movie 300 but you know the the spartan uh phalanx position is the same what i'm assuming the dothraki were based off of with the shields and the spears so 
I think 300 showed off a great uh, great strategy there with them blocking, dropping their spears and, and you know, or I'm sorry, dropping their shields and throwing their spears forward. And you could have shown something similar to that. Granted, they have a different enemy here, one that doesn't care. And, you know, in one of the first shots when you actually do see that army, it's almost like a like a literal wave crashing into the people. Um, but they should have shown that. And how would you use them? You would put them closer to the actual castle or fucking inside the castle. Like I was saying before, why? Yes, the the gate was closed, but why not have the Unsullied or a number of Unsullied behind there to defend just in case something got through, which... P.S. By the way, I don't know if you know you're fighting an, uh, a literal like army of the undead, but they're probably going to get through. So it didn't make a lot of sense to me that, uh, like I mentioned earlier, you had a bunch of things essentially in the wrong order, right? especially the catapults. You got the beginning shots off during the Dothraki charge, and that was it. Now they're the first line of defense that doesn't make sense because they're such long-range weapons that they should have been on the inside or right behind the the, the trench um, so that you could continue lighting those for a while and take out as many uh, of the, the undead whites as you could. So I know you have to create drama, but it could have turned out a lot better. Again, making more sense with actual military strategy would still be great and it'd still look cool and show like, you know, how do you tear people down too? You show that it works for a little bit and then you overwhelm the shit out of them. So, uh, the lighting of the Dothraki Iraqs, their, you know, question mark looking um, swords was great. I thought that was awesome. But uh, a little too li- little, little too little too late for Melisandre, um, who could put some fucking pep in her step, walking so slowly everywhere. Uh, I also feel like Davos should have had some justice for Shireen. He should have been able to kill her at dawn as she headed out. Uh, she's also obviously murdered a shit ton of people including a little girl, by burning her at the stake. So I I know this is supposed to be an ambiguous show, but that was the big thing that I was like, you made it such a big deal in those episodes. You need to make it a big deal here. Um, The dragons should have been used maybe, I don't know, more often. And I'm talking about like on the field again. They They should have been doing like strafing runs and just maybe illuminating what was out there a little bit more so that the Dothraki, if you're still going to send them out in the front, knew what was going on. Uh, they, John and Danny could have gone on alternating light-up runs uh, while waiting for the, the white army to hit up the defenses, whether it's the fence or the trench or whatever. Um, walls should have been set up with better climbing uh, defenses. I was reminded of... Uh, watchers on the wall or the wall or whatever where John and the Night's Watch are defending against Mance Raider's uh, wildling army. Um, that kind of idea 
like you know they had the big huge knife thing on a chain that they just released and it would like swipe uh the edge of the the wall which would get a bunch of the wildlings who were climbing up something like that and i thought there were some like log spiky dragon glass logs that were like set on the side that i thought they were going to release and try to like take out a bunch of uh whites but they were just kind of there um the wall should have been set up a little bit better for just things in general i i know that in the books the way did they describe winterfell makes it seem like it's a it's a great defensive stronghold because it's actually two walls and there's a moat in between and the this the interior wall is the taller wall so you get the definite advantage of anybody who uh, can surpass the first line of defense. Uh, the Crips should have had maybe a small group of armed women, old men, or children in there. The little Shireen lookalike could have held, sat there and just held a dagger or a short sword or something. Uh, again, maybe if they're supposed to be super badasses, why not protect them with, I don't know, four of the Unsullied? Or something like that? I don't know. Uh, how the fuck did Sam Tarly survive a fight with the dead, an all-night fight with the dead, awkwardly holding two, two dragonglass daggers? It makes little to no sense to me. We should have lost him, or he should have um, been forced out of the game somehow. Not necessarily by, you know, being a coward and running away, but maybe... He becomes concerned with uh, Gilly, or uh, he gets his weapons knocked out of his hand, so he just runs, or something like that, right? Um, Theon and the Ironborn should have had some armed soldiers next to the archers. Uh, otherwise, they all should have had a sidearm, maybe a short sword or something next to them. And maybe, I don't know, put up some actual defenses, some battlements, surrounding Bran in the Weirwoods, so that was a little weird. Um, but enough of that. Let's talk positives. You probably didn't think I was too hot on the episode, and that's untrue. Uh, I think a lot of the tension in there was awesome. There are a lot of visual, like, wow moments and stuff like that. Uh, I'm sure the internet will come out with a ton of awesome screenshots and memes in the next couple of weeks. Um, but here's my list of positives. Number one, or I guess I'm not going to number them because that would get ridiculous. But the first thing is uh, seeing... All of the Dothraki forces with their fired up Iraqs was pretty legit and, and kind of showed the uh, how big Danny's army was. Uh, they subsequently got their asses kicked, which is a great visual trick uh, filmmaking wise. But I still was like, oh, this is this is lame. Why send these out and these dudes out in the dark as well? Uh Again, against the force they've never really encountered before. I, I like the scenes between Sansa and Tyrion. 
those are great and them like chatting and uh i guess kind of uh ribbing each other as well uh was weird though later on in the episode i thought they they were about to like try to commit suicide at the same time um but i'm glad they didn't uh bran with his i'm sure to soon be iconic i'm going to go now and then i flip thing to theon was great uh there is a particular shot of the dragons uh passing they're like they're they're you know flying towards the sky deeper into the sky and at some point the clouds break and they're in the moonlight i thought that shot was beautiful and probably will remain one of the most defining shots of the series uh when this is all said and done aria my mvp for the episode super badass we'll get to a whole aria section later uh, i think thoris went out like a gangster as well i'm sorry not thoris Barrick went out like a gangster as well i wish he had one more moment to share some last words but um definitely some some jesus like arms out to the side while he got stabbed imagery there danny versus the night king was a great moment of uncertainty that then turned into tension uh especially when the night king was like uh because he smirked if you saw that too after the fire was like kind of clearing he was standing there smirking and then he pulled out, you know, one of those ice spears. And we know how badass of a of a javelin thrower he is. So Danny and Drogon turn 180 degrees very fast and barely, barely got out of that situation. But it would have been cool to see Drogon maybe get maimed in the tail or the, the wing a little bit. Um, I think that would have been awesome. John versus the Night King was also a great little spot in the episode. I wish John had a knife to like a dragon glass knife to throw and he would have like thrown it and like the night king would have caught it or like deflected it or something like that showing that you can't you can't kill him just by like injuring his arm with dragon glass. It's got to be this is a some backup knowledge here. It was in the inside the episode or the game revealed that one of the writers of the show said that Arya's kill only worked because the, the the knife, the sword, went in the exact same spot where he was made. We didn't know. The audience didn't know that. The watching the TV show audience did not know that. So wh- where did this rule come from? Um, that's not a rule that we shared as a household. It's not what, you know, just a whole bunch of other stuff. So, little weird there. Um, the Night King is a coward for not going one on one with John. Why was he interested in watching him through the past couple of seasons as well? Would like, is he aware of some of the prophecy stuff, and he didn't want to fight John, or he knew how good of a fighter John was, so he didn't want to go that route, even though this is like the embodiment of death, and he could like just touch your forehead and you get blue eyes and become an ice monster thing. Um, There is a scene after the Night King raises all the dead 
the hopelessness kind of conveyed on some of the actors' faces, that could have been utilized a lot deeper, I think. Uh, I don't know if that's if that's acting or direction or whatever, but we should have, we should have seen a face of desperation, whether it was Brienne, Pod, or Jamie, or somebody else like standing there. I wanted the White Walkers to come fuck some shit up because they were some great visual centerpieces, but you know they just stood around and supported Big Blue Homie kind of thing. Uh, Miguel Sapochnik's direction overall is something that always excites me, and I want to see him eventually on the big screen. If if he could, you know, a lot of people see him doing some big spectacle franchise, and in my head that either means, like, the MCU, the DCU, uh, Mission Impossible series, Fast and Furious series, but he also gets the... He also gets the benefit of using actors who already have their stories kind of like set up and told. So now we just need to watch them and make sure that they survive these action bits. I'm not sure how his character development will look like in his films, but I guess that's something that we get to look forward to. Um, like I was mentioning earlier, Arya, Arya. Arya Stark is the MVP of this episode. Arya motherfucking Stark, y'all. Like I said, the MVP of this episode did so many great things. Uh, I don't know. You know, won the battle single-handedly off of a hand switch. It's fantastic. Uh... First, her weapon was awesome. That double-sided spear and how she utilized it, again, in the uh, Game Revealed documentary, uh, Futurettes, featured at the end of the episode. If you, I, I use HBO Now, so it's all digital for me, but it comes kind of equipped already with not just the inside the episode, but a longer production uh, featurette called The Game Revealed. Uh, shows Maisie Williams training a little bit more. So her entire story arc has been awesome, has been leading to this. If you've been paying attention, she is supposed to be, you know, uh, a servant of death. But at some point she reclaims uh, her name as a Stark by having Needle not thrown away into the the water, but it's something that she kills uh the hound saying we you know we can't beat death and then Beric turning and saying like well she doesn't know that or she she doesn't believe that or whatever i thought it was a great callback but then it also kind of brought it into getting jora to like oh wait jora no i'm getting confused now um Beric to get the hound like out of there and paying attention a little bit more because he was freaking out because he saw the fires of the trench again. That's like his ultimate uh, PSD. Uh, Liana going out, taking down the giant white. Uh, she could have that could have all been prevented 
again with the unsullied guarding the wall, but I guess you kind of needed that moment of the insides not being so guarded so that you could show Arya kicking ass and like taking out a whole bunch of other dudes, like, and you know, undead dudes and Davos was a witness to seeing all that stuff. Uh, and the look they gave was pretty funny. Um, I like how then they turn that like high action sequence into uh, kind of like a uh, Metal Gear Aria sneaking mission. Um, I think they could have shown a little bit more too after the head trauma. I I get what they were trying to get at, but I'm sure it wasn't as clear for a lot of other people. I think a quick shot of you know Aria's point of view being a little dizzy would have then really cemented what was going on for a lot of people. Uh, but I thought, you know, her little, I need to get through this bathroom or not bathroom library, uh, scene was legitimate. It was awesome. Uh, they should have shown the creepy skinny body manipulation guy a little bit more doing a little bit weird stuff instead of just squatting down and looking under a table. I thought that was a missed opportunity. Um, that was also on the game revealed uh special at the end and i thought <laughs> i thought it was awesome timing aria gets through the library making no sounds she even got a silent kill in um but it was all for naught because seconds later another group just randomly running runs through the park and messes me up Danny and Drogon saving John, I thought was uh pretty good with uh the fire and then John was like, I need to get to the God's wood. So showing his desperation was was great. That one the oneer is what he had at that point where the camera doesn't cut away and you know I'm sure it's an intricate dance of where the camera needs to be and where the a- actors and Extras need to be at certain times. Uh, just awesome. Um, the one or shot is always going to be great. Uh, obviously, I think the one that sticks out in everybody's mind when it comes to Game of Thrones is the Battle of the Bastards, right? When, like, John is like, oh, I messed up trying to go after Rickon and sees the cavalry running after him and doesn't realize that Davos already gave the command as well, so he's got an army right behind him. But going into that scene uh, at the Battle of the Bastards, the the fog of war scene where he's like, doesn't know what's going on. Things are going on in the foreground and the background. Uh, I knew that we were going to get another shot similar to that. And while it wasn't as deep or, you know, as memorable, it was still pretty cool to see we were working on things like that. Uh, What else? Did we see Gendry at all? I don't know if we did after the initial check-in in the very, very beginning. Um, Danny picking up a sword to defend herself alongside Jorah was awesome. I, I'm glad that they showed that she is is capable of using a weapon uh, that's not a dragon. Um, Pod and Jamie double-teaming was pretty cool. I wish they were like kind of showing off skills together that would have been cool 
as pod is a young young knight in the train in training while Jamie is obviously an old guard knight with a hand issue Theon guarding Bran was an, I think a, a nice touch but what was Bran doing why was he gone so long and they used that to transition from the actor playing Bran to the uh, drone that he had like fly up in the air and turn into birds and and like go and find the night king but he didn't say anything afterwards so you know was he trying to do magic against him that was getting blocked by the night king uh i wish that during the sacrifice run theon would have gone out by a white walker who like walks in last second as opposed to letting him get close to the night king uh or show a, a Loki kind of mood from Avengers Infinity War. Where like Loki kind of uh, gives a moment where he can like draw blood or like pull a knife on the Night King quickly or something like that. I don't know. Um, Sheena wanted me to let everybody know that she loves the dragon's bellies. That's part of my show notes. Danny crying over Jorah's body and the dragon wrapping Drogon wrapping himself around her was a nice touch and a great, great photo, a great scene, great picture. And again, I wish Davos kind of had the opportunity for Mel to pay for her past sins. Uh, I was in my head thinking of the of Japanese ceremony seppuku. The person takes uh, a knee and they get their dagger ready. Uh, They're going to disembowel themselves by cutting from one side of the stomach to the other. And in the meantime, you'd have the other person there to make sure that you don't suffer too long. And they would behead you as you after you immediately pulled the knife over. So something like that would have been cool and they could have just pulled it you know from our real world history and poured it into westeros's you know survival kits uh so those are some of the things that i really wanted to see this now that the battle is over predictions what's next who's cleaning up all these bodies at winterfell that's my big question um, also, why is Winterfell named Winterfell? For those who are into the internet theorying and whatever, uh, we know why the other places in Westeros are called what they are. Heron Hall, because that's where Heron raises Hall. Uh, Storm's End, because of that, that being the storm lands and being the end of those storm lands at the sea. Uh, so on and so forth. So, but we know why they were called these places except for Winterfell. It's kind of a mystery to everybody. Well, will that be answered? Um, who gets Heartsbane now? The Tarly House Valerian Steel Sword that Sam stole and then gave to Jorah and Jorah just perished. Who's who's going to get that sword? Uh, because, you know, it still kind of matters. I just like having the the household... Uh, family sword somewhere. Uh, Sansa and Tyrion getting back together, maybe? If not politically. 
what is Cersei's role in the end game? And maybe there's maybe there's not too much. Maybe we'll know that in the next three episodes. Uh, maybe she dies off before the last one because if anything, Game of Thrones is known for the penultimate episode. That's where all the uh, action happens. Um, but the you know the next day, everybody's back to work, wearing sneakers, walking around in scrubs, all that good stuff. Danny's forces. How much are left? How many? How many people are there? Same with John. If we can say that, it, 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 like the Northerners and the Wildlings are on his side, who's left? Um, are they building towards a climax where the last episode is John versus Danny? Again, I don't like the idea of having you know the two most powerful women on this show be just crazy bitches, because uh, that sucks. What did Bran warg into when he was in the godswood other than those uh ravens and like what was he doing just chilling above the crowd kind of thing he wasn't helping as much maybe he pushed a clearer i don't actually i'm not gonna go into that uh but hopefully it pays off maybe we'll figure out why he's there and then again not a lot of major deaths happen here jorah fell um barrack fell uh Viserion fell like but you know not not too many major characters which I think a lot of people are expecting thank you for joining me today let me get out my thoughts thanks for a lot of the feedback I do a lot of this recording late at night I am recording this one now and have been uh, and it's a, it's all been past midnight already so I, I got the feedback with some of my intros that I, I have since re-recorded but how like monotone and unexciting they were and how exciting they should be since it's called turbo geeks uh, I really appreciate that feedback I'm gonna try to start getting a lot of this recorded in the middle of the day where I have more energy getting hit by the sun not worrying about the the volume of the, my voice so I don't wake up baby girl um, and all those things but I appreciate it thank you for listening uh, this weekend I'm heading out uh, to a wedding we're gonna head out babyless and dogless to Easton 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 Washington uh, hopefully it's a nice weekend because the ele- it's elevation is at uh, 2,100 and something feet. So I'll be closer to the sun uh, and I'll crisp up a lot faster. Also shout out to Quip Toothbrush, uh, the direct-to-consumer brand electric toothbrush. It's not fancy like the Sonicare. Uh, I've gone through multiple Sonicares before, but I like the idea of this like every man. It's not that fancy, but it's better than your local or your, your regular manual toothbrush. So... They have a real refill brush head pro battery program. So every three months they'll send you some replacements of the battery and of the all recyclable uh, wash head and cover. Um, but the cover for the toothbrush itself is pretty cool because it acts as a travel case and it it there's this little strip of material on the back. It sticks to anything, so it sticks to our mirror. But we've taken it traveling a bunch of times, and it'll stick to any 
uh, wall, essentially, as long as it's uh, fairly smooth. Um, speaking of which, because we're going to a wedding, looking at dress clothes and getting all those th- things ready, I want to say rest in peace to all the awesome Cole Haan and Nike collaborations, things that included Nike Tech um, on Cole Haan silhouettes, um, which were generally all based in the soul. So the Lunar Lawn, like the, the Lunar Grands and Nike Air were fantastic. And those are the only dress shoes that I care for nowadays. Um, but it's hard because they don't really exist unless you can find them secondhand. Uh, Cole Haan has been playing around with that tech on its own, but it's not the same. Uh, anyways, thanks for listening. Uh, and be kind to one another.